WATV Radio seeks to inform and engage the Bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome, my friends, to the Texas Power Hour with Pastor Carolyn Sism and Friends. This radio show is an outreach ministry of Eastgate Ministries in Katy, Texas. Experience the power. Experience the glory with Pastor Carolyn Sism. Seven years uh, since I was last year. I think the last time I, we were on the cruise together, an excellent time in the Lord. And uh, it's good. God, by His grace, has kept me. Since I've last seen you, I've become a grandfather. And so the second one was just born a month ago. And so we now have two grandchildren. And uh, so I'm getting up there in numbers. But, uh, God is faithful, and He's kept our family, and uh, and His work. Amen. Amen. So we 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 give praise unto the Lord. We serve a faithful, loving, good Father who takes care of us all. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. I'm I'm privileged to share with you this morning the Word of the Lord, and my prayer is that uh, the Lord will help us. In, in all of these things. I cannot give you revelation. I can give you the scriptures. Holy Spirit is the only one who is able to give revelation. Amen. And what is revelation? Revelation is God who graciously reminds us of the things that he has spoken with us when we are with him in eternity. We originate in God. We are led to earth for a certain period of time to 
collaborate with God to do His work, fulfill His agenda, and then return to God. So when the Lord ministers to us in areas of revelation, when you have that aha moment, it's when the Spirit reminds you of the things God spoke with you in eternity when you were with Him. Isn't that incredible? I'll show you from Scripture as Moses prayed. He says, before the mountains existed, before you created the earth, you, O oh God, was our habitation. We dwelled in you and with you. Amen. Bless the Lord. Alrighty, so God in His grace has chosen me from my mother's womb to declare the gospel of the kingdom in the nations of the world. And He has given me the grace to do that. I have traversed the globe and recently I sat down before the Lord and I asked Him, am I going to continue to do this for the rest of my days or is there some reprieve coming for me? Uh, heaven is still silent on that. And uh, God is gracious. He's given us strength, vitality, health, and the grace to do what He's called us to do. Amen. An excellent thing that our God, whatever God appoints us to do, He's able to strengthen us to do it, and He's able to resource us to do it. We have not been called to a kingdom that lacks anything. It's an ever-increasing, glorious kingdom to which we have been called, and it lacks nothing. As a citizen of this kingdom, we lack nothing in the doing of God's will. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. So I'm grateful that God has chosen me to do this work. And uh, I first came to this nation in 1997. It's 21 years ago. And God has given me the grace to return here now more than 60 times. I've been in the U.S., more than 35 of your states. And God is continuing to give me grace to return for a specific purpose proclamation of the gospel of his kingdom into this nation and God is gracious to empower and enable us to do that and for that I give God glory Amen, Amen. I, I, I pray that God would give me the grace to remain faithful to him in this assignment that he's given and my prayer is that God would give me the grace to declare his word this morning I pray that also the Lord will help us because we've come to a very specific time in the history of the dealings of God with the human race. And there is a tremendous onslaught from the kingdom of darkness to hinder the purposes of God and to hinder the people of God from progressing and doing what God has assigned us to do. My prayer is this morning that God would give us courage from His Word and, and he would give us the, um, help us to be um, resolute in our moving forward in his plan and his purpose. Because if you read the end of the book, you've seen we win. Yes. Yes. We overcome. Our God is triumphant. Yes. And that he always gets what he sets out to do. Mm -hmm. Amen. So I'm going to read a few scriptures to begin with. My prayer is that the Lord will help us to make clear His purpose and 
as I'm continuing to study the scriptures, what I said to Pastor Kevin yesterday, I'm, I'm in that point in my walk with the Lord where I'm not certain which I enjoy more, studying the scriptures or preaching the scriptures. Because I can easily lock myself up for a week and just study the scriptures and enjoy what God brings out of that. And, 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 but yet there is a time of proclamation also uh, of God's purposes. And, and this is a beautiful thing that God gives us the grace to do. So let me begin by reading a verse of scripture in Matthew 4. And I'm going to read many verses of scripture. I want to forewarn you. Um, I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to conclude this message here this morning. So I have a a clock right here next to me that I'm trying to submit to uh, and, and I'm going to do my best and find an exit point wherever I can when you ring a bell to let me know my time is up. Um, so work with me if you will and I'll see how much we are able to do after this. Amen? Alright, the first verse of scripture, the passage is in Matthew 4, 8 and 9. It says, again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Another verse of scripture, passage in Isaiah 14, 16 to 17. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities and would not let its captives go home. Isaiah 26, 18. We were with child, we were in labor, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought Salvation to the earth, and the people of the world have not come to life. One more passage. Jeremiah 1 verse 10. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, build, and plant. There are several things I want to bring to your attention here, firstly. The first thing is the distinct difference between the earth and the world. The earth is a physical dwelling place that God created for the human race, the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom, to exist and to function. The Bible says God has given the earth to man as an inheritance. This is the only place known to the human race where we can function and live. Yeah. No other planetary system or planet can support human life. Only Earth. Amen. God has given this to us as a habitation. Amen. Earth is a physical, geological habitation for the human race. The world, however, is something different. The world is something that God created somewhere in eternity and he created it for his own purpose, his own agenda, his own pleasure. And I'll show that from scripture, what has happened to this, this, this dimension. Furthermore, the world or the, the nations are literal divisions in the earth. So you have the earth, 
the world, and there are nations that dwell within certain geographical areas within the earth. Besides that, you have kingdoms. Kingdoms exist within the spiritual realm. Kingdoms have dominion in the spirit realm. This is why this passage of this read out of Isaiah chapter 26 says that this passage says that we have not brought salvation to the earth and the people of the world has not come to life. This dimension called the world, the spirit calls this dimension the world because this dimension has fallen out of a certain relationship with God. And I'll show you from scripture how it is placed into a lower dimension in relationship with God. But we know from scripture that God loves the world. It seeks to bring it back into a certain relationship with himself. But there are certain things that must come into place. And we have a certain role to play in that restoration of that relationship back with God. So we have the earth. We have the world. We have nations. And we have kingdoms. These kingdoms are areas of government and spheres of influence established in the spiritual realm over the affairs and activities of earth. Then there's one more thing the scripture referred to in this context is mountains. Mountains are spiritual dimensions in earth reflecting the divisions in the spirit realm. Yeah. So when the Bible speaks of a mountain, it may speak of a literal physical mountain or it may speak of a division of spiritual principality or power in the spirit realm that opposes the purpose and plan of God and has to be dealt with by certain administration of God or certain people of God. So everything firstly in, has been created for God to serve His purpose. Revelation 4.11 says, O Lord our God, You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things, and because of your will they exist and were created. Ephesians 1.10, the Bible says, It is God's desire, His long-range overarching goal, to bring everything in heaven and everything in earth under the headship of Christ. We are in that dimension, in that time frame, between that which is and that which yet has to come. And that administration God seeks to bring that which is already in heaven in perfect sync and harmony with himself. He seeks to bring that which is in earth under his headship, under his lordship, under his authority, so that everything in heaven and earth would be in sync. All right. That is why the Bible declares when Jesus began to teach his disciples to pray, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is already accomplished in heaven. The desire and the purpose for the Lord Jesus' coming is to firstly reveal the Father to us, who He is, how He functions. Secondly, to reveal to us what a mature Son functions like. It's the Son of God, the iconic figure of how a Son in submission to the Father relates 
to God's purpose. Thirdly, he also came to redeem the human race and all of the earth and all of the, the, the dimensions of the earth back into relationship with the Father. And then he also came to show us how to live as a community of faith, how to function as the people of God. He indeed uh, came to reveal the Father to us. Until that moment, we didn't know what the Father was like. He dwelt in darkness, veiled. Jesus came to give face to him so that we may know him and understand and discern who God is. Isn't that a glorious thing? Yes. So, when, when, when an insurrection took place, in scripture, you know, when Lucifer rebelled against God, he took these kingdoms that God created, and I'll mention them in greater detail later, he took these kingdoms and let them in revolt against God, so that God took these kingdoms and put them into a lower dimension with himself. In other words, the Bible speaks of this term, foundation of the world. The foundation of the world is not the same idea that we have of the foundation of a building. Foundation of the world in the Greek, Hebrew, Arabic has to do with the demotion of that realm that God created. And the Spirit of God now calls it the world. Until then, it was in a unique relationship with God and it has the agenda of serving the purpose of God. But because it has been led astray, led away from God, brought into um, a rebellion against God, God brought it into a lower state with Himself, and the Spirit calls it the world. That's why in this realm called the world, as we know it today, everything in that dimension is in rebellion against God. Resisting the purpose and even the things God created for his own pleasure, for his own agenda, for his own objectives have been led astray. That is why for us as the righteous, those who are called by God, brought out by the blood of the Lamb, we have to partner with God to bring back in relationship with him those things that have fallen away from him. Let's look at the scriptures. So God took these kingdoms and he demoted them from their place and the spirit now calls it the world. At the time, those kingdoms came under the control of Satan until the sons of God, this species that has now been created in Christ, in God, who has come into relationship with God and who has now been purged, developed, built by the Word and by the Spirit to give face to who God is in a generation who doesn't know God so that we may reveal God in this generation by the nature, by the character of Christ that has been built within us. Remember Paul writing to the Galatians says, I am in travail yet again until Christ be in you. In other words, until he becomes visible, tangible, so that when people look upon us, they may see the resemblance of Christ within us, and they will begin to understand the reality of the nature and the character of who God is. Yes. Because of the people of God, as they look upon us, they see something of God in us, yes. 
until that something comes to maturity and it becomes visible and tangible that when interacting with a son of God, a mature son of God becomes similar as it were as interacting with God. Because of the relationship. When people met Jesus, they knew who his father was because of the relationship that he had with his father and the interaction that they had and the submission that he had to the father. They understood. That's why he was crucified because he told people that he was the son of God. Not because he came to save the human race. No, he was crucified because he had the audacity himself the Son of God. For that reason he was crucified. Interestingly, recently I was speaking with some young Jewish men in my city and the one asked me, why is it that whenever I see you I want to follow you? I said, okay. I said, because I'm a leader. He says, but I'm also a leader. I said, well, I'm a leader of leaders. He <laughs> says, okay. I said, the reason you want to follow me is because the one you are looking for dwells within me. The Messiah. He says, oh, okay. You see, when I first met him, I said to him, I'm not a Christian. He said, oh. He said, I'm a son of God. He says, oh, I'm also a son of God. You see, Jews understand the principle of being sons. And we began our conversation around the idea of sonship. And he began to say, I want to follow Something in you keeps on drawing and pulling on me. I said, that's called Holy Spirit. It's the Son of God, the one you're looking for, the Messiah. Yeshua, I'm a seer, dwells within me, and you're looking for him. That's why you keep on having this pull within you. Interestingly, we had some more conversations, and he realized that, oh, he said, can I come with you on your missions? I said, yeah, I have to first introduce you to the Lord and baptize you, and then you can come with me. He said, okay, I have to do that? I said, yeah. He says, okay, we'll talk again. Now, now, the interesting thing is, these sons of God, remember the Bible says, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest that he may destroy the works of the enemy. We have to really look clearly in Scripture because Jesus is not going to destroy the works of the he has already done that. Yes. He's a victorious, triumphant Savior. That's why Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 16 of the book of Romans. He says, soon God will crush Satan under your feet. That's soon, if you study the idea, he says soon is when you come to a proper revelation of who you are, whose you are, a proper understanding of the dominion and the authority of the kingdom, then the kingdom of God, the small stone cut on the side of the mountain, begins to manifest itself and it destroys the works of the enemy in your personal life and in the life of those that is a part of your, of your family and it begins to expand until it crushes Satan under your feet. The Bible says about when Solomon was upon the throne, of his father David, he says, one translation says, there was no devil in the land when Solomon ruled. David completely exerted the dominion of the kingdom and there was peace. And Solomon ruled. 
You see, you can't build anything when you're in warfare. The war has to be settled. That's why Isaiah 40 says, he says, tell my people that the war is over. Tell them that, uh, that we have been victorious in the battle. That we are able to mount up and take. That's why Jesus gave instruction to his disciples when he left. He says, occupy until I come. You can only occupy a territory that you have conquered. Jesus conquered. I was so delighted this morning as we looked at those first songs that we sang. But if you're going to send about his voice, about his authority, his dominion, his power as the Lord. Out of his holy hill comes the voice of the Lord to establish his purpose. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me give you a few more verses of scripture. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you are blessed of my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, let me remind you. The creation of the world took place somewhere in the distant eternity of God. When what God created fell out of relationship with him, when it was led astray, by the works of Lucifer. Now there was an entity created called the world. And so when the, when the world was created, before it was created, God established the eternal purposes of his kingdom so that there would be never ever interference of the demonic in God's kingdom because God's kingdom precedes the demotion of this dimension of God's creation and therefore it has no authority over God's kingdom. Satan has no authority over God's kingdom. You see, God doesn't have any adversaries. We have adversaries of God. All of God's adversaries lie prostrate before his throne and worship him. Because he is a glorious, magnificent God who doesn't have any enemies. His enemy has been conquered. And so we the church take recognition of that and we worship him. Ephesians 1 verse 3 and 4 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before there was any corruption in the eternal purposes of God, God has chosen us to be his people. Your name has been chosen. You have been called and elected to be a part of the eternal purposes of God in the 21st century. When God looked at the corridors of time and saw us, he said, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one. What? God chose us because he knew that when the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom will be preached to us, that we will respond in the appropriate manner to him. That's why every person born of the Spirit will bear witness to this, that when we heard the gospel, something inside our spirit connected with what we heard. And we realized, even if the presentation was not so good, and it was not clear and in detail, something in our spirit leapt when we heard. I remember when I was 16 years of age, and the gospel was preached to me the first time. 
I received the Lord because I remembered something in my spirit reminded me I know this voice, I know this message, I understand this, this content even though I've never heard the gospel preached before until that time. At 16 when I heard the message, it gripped me and I realized this is from eternity. I understand because my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. It wasn't written that day. It was there already. See, God knows who belongs to him. Mm -hmm. So my name was there. Your name was there. That's why when the gospel was preached to you, you responded. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's the Lord. That's good. Revelation 13 verse 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All those whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. What does this mean? It means that before there was sin, there was a lamb. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world was laid. Before there was an Eden, before there was an Adam, before there was sin, there was a lamb. A perfect lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You see, there's no need that we will ever have for which God has to make a plan to provide. Everything in the eternal purposes of God already exists before the need arises. Yes. That's why the book of Hebrews says God rests from his works. Yes. He's already done everything that's necessary to be done mm -hmm. in order for us to function and reach his goal. Revelation 17, 8. The beast which thou saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life, from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. So here you see, again, names that are not written in the book, from the creation of the world. These are things that God has done in ancient past. Matthew 4, 8. And the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. There is no physical place where you or I could stand in the world or in the earth where you can see all the kingdoms of the world. I've been in the tallest building in the world. Some of you may have been there in Dubai. And when you look, you stand there. All you can see is the desert. Up there in the far. You cannot see all the kingdoms of the world by standing in a physical structure. In other words, Satan took Jesus up in the spirit and showed him the kingdoms of the world that is defected away from God, that is under his rulership. And he offered him these kingdoms without Calvary. He said, if you just worship me, I'll give these kingdoms to you. Jesus said to him, depart from me, you worker of because he was trying to tempt Jesus to offer him a shortcut to redeem the kingdoms back to God without Calvary. You see, it's the secret in there. The enemy knows something about your glorious future and will always offer a shortcut to it. 
if you will succumb to the temptation and not be processed properly by God to reach the things for which God has prepared us, the enemy will always offer a shortcut. If you take that shortcut, your success will be short-lived because you have not allowed God to process you properly. Jesus understood that he has to redeem back to God by his own blood that which has fallen away from God and therefore he did not succumb to the temptation. Amen. Amen. Revelation eleven fifteen, Amen. the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah Amen. and he will reign forever. Has it ever caught your attention that the verse says, the Lord and His Messiah? Who's the Lord's Messiah? When we needed redemption, He became our Messiah. Now, God's creation, God's world, God's earth is in need of salvation. His people rightly aligned with Him proclaiming, declaring his salvation to his purpose. That's why the Bible says the earth is in travail, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's waiting for the sons, for you, for me, to come to maturity, to break off from it, the curse that has been placed upon it. Come on, come on, my brother. So it's waiting on us to do what? To grow up in Christ. That we may walk on the earth as he did. The Bible says he was the first son of whom God desires to have many more. God desires to have many more sons. And you and I have been called to that privilege to walk as sons. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, are we going somewhere? Well, you already there. Yeah, Revelation 12. No, I'm not. You're not? No. <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, then war broke out in heaven from verse 7. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice say in heaven, Now has come the salvation, and the power, and the kingdom of our Lord of God and the authority of his, of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hauled down. All right. This is not future, this is past tense. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's already occurred. Yes. You remember the, the disciples, the 70, were sent out and, and, and Jesus told them to heal the sick and cast out demons and they came back and reported, Lord, your name, the demons flee. He says, okay. Yeah. I was there when Satan fell from heaven like lightning. Yeah. That was great. He said, you're rejoicing over something small, little demons. I saw Lucifer fall from heaven. I saw him cast down to earth. I saw him lose his place of prominence from the heavens. Because he led an insurrection against God. Mm. It's impossible to stand against God and succeed. Yes. 
I'm not, I'm not sure what came into his mind that he would do something like that. Yeah. All right, let's fast forward. Isaiah 2. I've given you all of that as a background. What? Yeah. I'm a teacher of the word, so I need time to explain what I'm explaining. <laughs> Isaiah 2, from verse 1 to 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So, firstly, the mountain of the Lord is the house of the Lord, or at least a dimension of the church. Okay. And then again, the mountain of the Lord is that aspect that the scriptures call the house of God, and that house of God is at least, in my mind, a dimension in the church. I think if you understand Brendan theology, there is a church within the church. Mm -hmm. And so the house of God is that dimension that God has carved out for himself, those people who would give themselves um, completely to his purpose and to his agenda. Mm -hmm. Secondly, its place in the last days will be governmental, and administrative. This house of God will become governmental and administrative, uh, the dimension from which the laws of God will flow to govern the affairs of the nations of the earth. Thirdly, they are and will be other mountains, other spheres of influence or dimensions of authority controlling the affairs of earth. But the authority that will rule over them all will be the house of God, mm. the place where God dwells. Yes. Through this function, the perennial disputes between nations will come to an end. Amen. Because the house of God is the place where laws will be promulgated that will affect the whole earth. Yes. And nations, even goat nations, those who have not come into alignment and into agreement with the purposes of God, will have no other opportunity or no other will to exercise over the will of God because people will surrender to God's plan and to God's purpose because it will be from Zion that the law of God will go The prophets, especially Isaiah and Micah, affirms that without doubt, this authority will be established. Mm. Now, from where we look, where we stand, as we look at the affairs of the world, 
We sometimes look at these things and we feel, how would this possibly happen? <laughs> the important thing to understand is that it's impossible for the word of the Lord to return void unto him. Yes. Amen. God is not a man that he should say anything from which he has to repent. When God speaks, declares something, this is what happens. God's word seeks to find a generation, a people that's willing to obey his word and become the expression of God's purpose in their generation so that God's purpose may come to fruition. Amen. If a generation decides not to submit to God's word, his word will pass over them to the next generation. Amen. And will continue to look for a people until it finds a people that is willing to collaborate with God to have his will accomplished in the earth. God's word cannot return void unto him. It must accomplish that way unto God sends it. So if the people to whom God sends the word will not receive the word, the word leaves that environment and go to look for a people that will receive it. Mm. That's right. Wow. Amen. So the words of the Lord are spirit and they are life. Yes. And they therefore will look for a people mm. to obey the commandments of God. Oh, may God give us grace that the word of the Lord may not have to leave us to find another people yes, yes. to do his will. Amen? Amen. Amen. 25 times the word mountain of the Lord's house is used with reference to the establishing of a dynasty. You know that from David onwards, there was always a person, there were 21 kings in Judah. Until it was locked up, that the throne of David, waiting that until he comes to whom the throne belonged, <coughs> the king priest, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So his, when he assumed that authority of David's throne, which really was his throne that David occupied, he took that place as the eternal king. A priest that mediates between God and earth and rules over the affairs of the human race and all of God's creation. Not in the future, but now. Amen. When he ascended unto heaven, the Father said to him, Son, sit at my right hand until I make all of your enemies come under your footstool. He's sitting right now at the Father's right hand making intercession for us yeah. so that the will of God may be made manifest in us and through us. But he's seated. In biblical terms, when you sit, it's because you have dominion. You have authority. You have a scepter in your hand. No one can control or manipulate you. The Father said, sit down, son. You've accomplished your path. So that now, the work really is with us. In us and through us that God may accomplish His will in the earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Alright. Isaiah 9 is that passage I was quoting earlier. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it. That's from verse 7 onwards. So, 
the eternal, unchangeable edict from the mouth of the Lord is that in the last days, or the latter days, there will be a shift in the earth, and the supreme authority will be something the Spirit of God calls the mountain of the Lord's house. The Spirit calls this dimension that God is creating, or has created, the mountain of the Lord's house. Obviously then, this must be different from church as we know it. Because the Spirit calls it Mount Zion. It calls it a stronghold. A place from which God governs and rules in the earth. A place from which God is able to execute all of His plans and purposes in the earth. Rather. David calls this dimension the Royal Mountain. He says in Psalm 30 verse 7, Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. <coughs> On the other side of this mountain of the Lord is the dimension called in Revelation 17, verse 7 onwards. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because it once was, now it's not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. Verse 9, the seven heads are seven heels on which the woman sits. This woman is Babylon, sitting on seven mountains, or seven hills, seven kingdoms. There it is. So here you have, and you know that about 40 years ago, the Lord gave a revelation to two men opposing streams of the Christian faith about the seven mountains, which is known as the seven mountains today, you know, in, in biblical teaching, talking about these seven mountains of influence or seven mountains uh, in society. Here, the scriptures say that woman, Babylon, sits on these seven mountains or seven hills. Because he governs these seven things, because these seven things that God has created in eternity to serve his purpose in relation with the human race has fallen away from him when it became contaminated when Lucifer influenced it to fall away from God. The spirit calls of the world. And over those seven aspects, which I'll mention to you, which you know already, economy, family, Education, media, arts and entertainment, government and politics, and religion. These seven mountains or seven hills over which that woman, Babylon, sits, is that area that has fallen out of relationship with God that the Spirit calls the world. Away from God, influenced now by the demonic, Fallen away because God created these seven dimensions to serve the human race in his relationship with us. Yes. 
Therefore, it has to be redeemed and brought back into its rightful relationship with God. That's why Revelation 11:15b says, The kingdoms of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. Yeah. His Christ is His body. Yeah. We are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ has a responsibility in serving the Christ to restore these elements that are stolen away from him back to him. Wow. Into his eternal purposes. Yeah. Amen. That's Amen. why when we needed salvation, mm -hmm. he became our redeemer. Mm. Now we collaborate with him to redeem back to him the eternal purposes of God. That's his name. Mm. Hallelujah. That is why our assignment from Monday to Friday is an important part of our purpose in walking with God. The Apostle Paul says, whatsoever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. Yeah. Whatever your field of expertise is that God has bring you into, in which you have applied yourself, is an area of influence that through your walk with God, meat needs to be redeemed and brought back under the headship of Christ. So that through that, the influence of God may be made manifest in our everyday walk in the earth. Bless the Lord. Alrighty. How am I doing with time? Just about through my introduction now. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's look for a moment at the prominence of mountains in Scripture. Because we're talking about mountains and that these mountains, you know, Lance Warno is one of the teachers in the U.S. who has a good grip and understanding and the revelation of these seven mountains. In fact, I think he's one of the few who got it right about the election of your president and who was able to see through the corridors of time what God was doing in that field of politics. You see, God is raising up individuals in the earth who has been assigned several of different mountains in order to see the eternal purposes in those areas and is able to speak from Zion prophetically what God is doing in those fields. We are not disconnected from these things. We are connected by God through His Spirit and His Word to speak into these things prophetically and to align it with God's purposes. That's the exciting thing of being alive and being in God's church at this time. It's really an incredible time to be alive. We're living within the conversions of events, Amen. within the culmination of things that some of us have been believing for, praying for, prophesying about. We're seeing some of these things coming to fruition in our lifetime before our very eyes. Yeah. It's an incredible time to be alive. All right. Zechariah 4, 7. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level to the ground. Okay, Zechariah speaks of the mountain, but now he speaks of a mountain that is a demonic principality, and he says, What are you, O mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level to the ground. Amen. Because we are now speaking of mountains standing against the purpose of God. He says, Then it will, he will bring out the capstone, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
but to shout off the shouts of God bless you, God bless you. Jeremiah 51, 25. I'm against you, you destroying mountain. You who destroy the whole earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against you, roll you off the cliff, and make you a burnt out mountain. Mm. Talking about mountains standing against the purposes of God. Yes. Isaiah 40, verse 4. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill be made low. Mountain, principality. Yes. Hills, subdivisions of a principality. Mm. Shall be made level and rugged places of plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Mm. Job 9 verse 5. He moves mountains without them knowing it. And overturns them in his anger. Job, the oldest book in the Bible. He says, when there is a principality, when there is a mountain, he moves it without it being known it's moved. That's the power of God. God can move something without it knowing that it's being moved. He moves mountains without them knowing it and overturns them in his anger. Michael 1 verse 3. Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him and the valleys split apart like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. You see, spiritual opposition comes from mountains. Physical mountains? No. Spiritual mountains. Opposition against our purpose individually, as a family, corporately, as a community of faith. You see, recently, I tell you a story, briefly. Earlier this year, I was in a season of prayer, and then one of the questions I asked the Lord is, what is it that you require from the restoration of your church in my city? He spoke one word. Convergence. I want the streams that flow in the restoration to converge and become a river. I said, Lord, that will not happen. I said, don't you know our human nature? We've taken ownership of these things. We've built ministries. We've built teams and built apostolic networks and all these things. Lord, we've taken ownership of it. We've written books. We've identified. This is where I've been drawn identity from. I said, this is not going to happen. I said, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I, I can see what you want. But I said, Lord, I've been around the block once or twice. Then in another season of prayer, I asked him another question. What will hinder this from happening? In a split second, the Lord showed me a vision. It lasted a few seconds only. He showed me the face of an ancient god. I thought at the time it was probably Greek or Roman. When I looked it up, I realized that it was actually a Roman god called Poseidon, the face. As I began to meditate upon it, I understood how this thing influences. You see, a mountain has been assigned to hinder the purpose of God. In my city, it's, 
there's a principality assigned called Poseidon to hinder the streams to become a river. I said, Lord, how shall we overcome this? It says only the corporate son can do it. The corporate son is those in the body of Christ who begin to understand the purpose of God is bigger than any one church can do. Any one network can do. Any one apostolic team can do. This is not about a personal ministry. This is about the corporate ministry of the Son of God. Amen. So there's spiritual opposition that comes from mountains. Babylon is called a destroying mountain. See that in Jeremiah 51. And the coming revelation of the glory of the Lord is called the leveling of the mountains. The glory of the Lord is coming to level these mountains. You see that in Isaiah 40 and 49. The Lord removes and melts them. As he comes in close proximity to these mountains, they just melt. Just like wax before the fire. They disintegrate. The coming of the Lord is said to take place upon the Mount of Olives, initiating a series of events which will result in the Lord being king of all of the earth. Zechariah 14, 1 to 9 onwards. This is the Lord coming to take. You see, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Both the earth and the world belongs to God. He has a right to it, his ownership of it. He created it as his property. Everything inside the world belongs to God. Every one of these seven mountains that we've identified belongs to God. He's unapologetic when he moves in the earth to reach his goal and his objectives. He doesn't require permission. <laughs> because he owns it. He is the rightful Lord. His kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. Every morning when you wake up, when I wake up, the kingdom of God is bigger, more powerful, more glorious, more magnificent than when you went to bed. It's an ever-increasing kingdom. All over the earth, people are realizing that God is not just a savior made manifest in the flesh, but he's a king. He has authority, dominion, and power, and he exerts that upon the earth. Those that come into submission to him enjoy the fruits of his authority yes, yes. as it manifests in us and through us yes. as God's people. All right. Okay. Mm. This thing is working so fast. Can <laughs> <laughs> you do something? All right. I'm trying. Can you allow me to find the landing spot? Yeah. Amen. I'm about 30,000 feet above the ground now. <laughs> I need to land somewhere safe. Can you allow me that? Yeah. Okay, let me do a quick test here. Can somebody give me five minutes? Can I see your hand? Five minutes? Mm -hmm. All right, there's about seven, eight. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. They tell them they have permission to leave, but they have somewhere to go. Okay. So you'll allow me to play around. Okay. Yeah. 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 Ye
kingdom is still in the mountain. The kingdom of God. It's a mountain. Publicly, it's seen as a mountain. A mountain is seen as a stronghold, the dominion, the power in God. Especially the kingdom of Christ. And you can see that in Isaiah 2, you see it in Daniel 2 onwards. So David writes in Psalm 30, as I mentioned this earlier, verse 7, Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. David said, Lord, when you favored me, Zion, your kingdom under my rule stood firm. It was a strong... Do you know under Solomon's rule, all of the nations of the earth came to Solomon to learn wisdom from him? It was the center of the earth. Every nation sent delegations to Solomon to learn everything about everything. He was like Google. He knew everything that there was to know about everything. The plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, you know, the galactic systems, stars, everything. People need to know anything about anything they came to him. Under his authority, God gave him incredible wisdom and the ability. So the kingdom of God was established under the rule of Solomon on earth. But you know that Solomon, with all the wisdom he had, he had some foolishness. <laughs> the sad thing about Solomon is he did not pursue his father's God. Solomon pursued a dimension of God that existed prior to what David introduced in the earth. You know, David introduced his tabernacle. And in his tabernacle, there was only the ark of God. 24 hours of intercession, prayer, praise and worship around that. Set three shifts of eight hours of worship before God. When, when David did that, the Bible says God stood up in his throne. And he declared, this is what I've always wanted. Solomon went back from that and he went to Mount Gibeon, where the tent of Moses stood. And he, he slaughtered a thousand bulls, a sacrifice before God. And God met him at the brazen altar. Until that moment, God's voice was always in the Holy of Holies. God came out to meet Solomon at the brazen altar because of David. He asked him, what do you want? Like, why are you disturbing me with your sacrifice? A thousand wolves. God met him. God answered his prayer. But Solomon eventually pulled away from God. And he went to the high places. And he established for all these foreign women that he took as wives and concubines, he established places of worship for them. And eventually the heart of Israel went away from God to these idols. Mm -hmm. And God split the kingdom. Eventually it just kept Judah. Mm -hmm. And then even Judah he sent into a time of apostasy. But he kept in that a people for himself because of David. God is a covenant God. But Solomon, even though he had opportunity to build on his father's revelation, 
chose not to do so. Daniel in chapter 2, he says, While you were watching, a rock was cut out, not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed it. Then the iron and clay, the bronze and the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. A stone cut on the side of the mountain falls the whole earth. It's not possible, is it? Not with the natural mind. That's symbolic. You see, everything about the kingdom of God starts small. A mustard seed. Yes. Something small. But it's built in character. It's built in the principles of the ideas of God. And from there it builds up. It's incredible if you travel the nations. There are few people today in the house of God who doesn't know a little bit of something about the kingdom of God. Forty years ago, that was not the case. You preach the kingdom of God forty years ago, they put you in an asylum. They throw you out of the church. They stone you. They call you all kinds of things. I was called a Jehovah's Witness in my city. Uh -oh. And many churches closed their doors to me. I didn't have any way to preach, and that was a good thing, because I then had to spend time with the Lord. And the Lord began to give me understanding of His purposes, and He continues to do so by His grace. Interesting, today we have opportunity to preach the kingdom back in the same churches. Yeah. Let me <laughs> Come, teach us the word of the Lord. Amen. 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 That's not a time to say to them, you know, 40 years ago when I came to you, you threw me out. No. <laughs> now you have to reveal Christ yeah. in that situation. Amen. Amen. All right. There's a revolution where the mountains are being carried into the midst of the sea. These mountains that oppose the purpose of God. Let's look at it in, in, uh, in Psalm 46, from verse 1. For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alameth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields 
with fire. Psalm 97, 5. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. You see, these mountains were originally created by God. In the physical, these mountains, for example, both Moses and Elijah had mountaintop experiences with God. When they met God on the mountain. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the mountain. Then, blessings and curses are often declared from mountaintops through false prophets, etc., when they want to curse or bless. Then, God's covenant encounter with Israel, you know, at Mount Sinai, God met with them at the mountain. The Mount of Transfiguration, you know, that the Lord Jesus met with Moses and with Elijah on Mount Transfiguration. And, and there on that mountain, God again made that pro tremendous proclamation about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And he added, hear ye him. Mm -hmm. Because now he has come to approve his doctrine. Yeah. When John baptized him, he only said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He's not even started his ministry and the Father was pleased with him. Not done the first miracle. Nothing. Mm. He just came to obey the Father in water baptism. Yes. Then on the mountain, the Father affirms him. The place where the tribes assemble to meet with God, Psalm 122, Psalm 133, the songs of the saints. The place of prophetic encounter and sacrifice, you know, that's on the mountain that sacrifices were made where unto God and unto idols. Moses had revelation of our relationship with God before the establishment of the mountains. Go with me to Psalm 90, if you will, from verse 1. This is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. That's what I mentioned to you earlier. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that, you, that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by the evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as you have seen, we have seen trouble. May the deeds be shown to your servants, 
your splendor to your children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the works of our hands for us. Yes, establish the works of our hands. So here Moses, in this psalm, the same one that God took into eternity. Remember Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, that constitutes a problem. No man can see me and live. Just, but there is a place by me where I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and when I pass by, you will see the rear end of my glory. The rear end of God's glory. In other words, God said to Moses, you can see my history where I come from. That's why you could pick up the pen right in the beginning God created. He saw the history of God where God came from. So when he writes the psalm it's from that same dimension that he writes the psalm. He says God before there were mountains that opposed your eternal purposes before the world existed that is in conflict with your eternal purposes, you, O oh God, was our habitation. Yeah. We bowed with you in eternity. You were our hiding place. Now we are in the earth. And there is opposition towards you. But your spirit reminds us of our eternal position with you. And we choose to collaborate with you in your eternal purposes. To see the end come because we saw when we stood at the veranda of eternity. We looked over the veranda of eternity and we saw all of your purposes coming to fruition. As the Lord said to Job when he was arguing with him, he said to him, Where were you when all the sons saw me create. In other words, were you not present? Did you not watch me measure up the foundation of the earth? To what I fastened it? Didn't you see me at work? Were you not one of the sons who went completely ballistic in your praise and your worship and magnifying me when you saw me pour all of creation out of my own being? Did you miss that class? The Lord reminded him that he was there. But in all of his struggle, he forgot about the eternal purposes of God. That's why I said to you, when revelation comes, it's God reminding us what he told us in the past. We're with him. It's that aha moment. spoken this to me in the past. All of the busyness of life has caused me to forget what he told me in the past. And I'm reconnected with him in what he has spoken in eternity. And I feel secure in the revelation and the knowledge of his purpose. Because I come from him and I return to him as a son. Okay, now I better find the landing spot, otherwise we're not going to have lunch today. I'm waiting on that look. I'm not getting it yet.
quickly summarize this, this part of this psalm and then I'll close out. So in Psalm 90, identifies mountains, earth, and world, and declares amazingly that God was our habitation before these three things are formed. Remember I said to you in the beginning? Yeah. Mountains, earth, world, these are different dimensions. He speaks of the judgment of God upon man, which lasted for a significant period of time, turning him again to the dust from which he originally came, because they were carried away as by a mighty flood. <clears throat> if you don't understand something about the creation of God to understand that verse, I'm not going to go there now. He speaks of the judgment that came upon earth because of his powerful anger against sin, when Lucifer led a rebellion against God's purposes. Our need to number our days as we walk in wisdom. He calls upon God to have mercy and to forgive him, restoring to him the many days as he lost during the time of judgment. He says, Lord, when your judgment was upon the earth, I've lost many days because I didn't make progress in your purpose. Now restore these days to me that I may have time. You know, as you walk on with the Lord, as you become older, you realize that God has taken a very, very long time to build within you the things you now know. Yeah. And now your prayer is, oh God, don't take me here. I have nowhere to go. I have no plan of going anywhere because when I'm in the state of perfection, that's why you're not while, while you are working in me and bringing into fruition so many things that you have taken so many years to cultivate within me, now, O oh Lord, extend my days upon earth that I may add value to your purpose. Don't take me now. When you see death come towards you, rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a spirit. It's a divine principality. Amen. Don't welcome it. Tell it to go to hell where it belongs. You have an assignment to fulfill upon earth. And this realm God has given to us is where we need to function. Amen. I know that it's a glorious idea to spend eternity with Him in heaven, and we want that. But there's also work that must be done in this realm for His kingdom. That works for me. For me also. I'm young, I'm a tender child, I'm only 60 next year. But some mornings I wake up and I feel 70. Lord, they just got to get them today. Yes. Moses, having seen the judgment of God upon earth, he calls upon God to manifest his glory because the manifestation of the glory of God is a reset button that God pressed to bring everything back to its original intended purpose. The glory of the Lord is upon the earth. Everything is reversed. All of the effects of the demonic and its kingdom is reversed. It melts in the presence of the Lord. It skedaddles. It runs away from God. He has come in his fury and his anger to restore back to his eternal purposes that which he set out to do. Yes, thank you, Lord. Amen. 
Then he asked the Lord to establish the people whose works in earth will not need to be judged again. Mm. But whose works at this time would bring to pass the results that God desires and thus be the enduring significance he asked for the unchanging kingdom to come. Give permanence to the works of my hands, O Lord. I think if you in ministry, you understand what that means. If you've been in ministry for long, you know what that means. Oh Lord, give prominence to the works of my hands. Let me not continue to repeat, to do what I've done in the past, just to do it again in the future. Give me a people that understand the mysteries of your eternal purposes, and then give Permanence to our works, Lord, so that there is a testimony of God upon the earth mm. of His purposes. Yeah. Moses understood this mm. and he prayed. Permanence to the works of God. I conclude by saying the following, and you can follow this on your own in Habakkuk chapter 3 onwards. Maybe I'll just read a small portion, then I'll sit down. Habakkuk prays. He says, On seek your north. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, and in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Then he makes this incredible statement that came from Timon some kind of place where God came from. The holy mount of Mount Paran, His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the rays, like sunrise, rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. Plague went before Him, pestilence followed His steps. He stood in the, and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled. And the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress. The dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses? And your chariots to victory? I didn't know that God had horses and chariots. He rode them to victory. You uncovered your bow and you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and Ruth, they pulled back. Which are these mountains? These seven mountains that fell away from God saw God coming and they pulled back. Oh, God is coming towards us. Torrents and water swept by the deep roared and lifted its waves and high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens in the glint of your flying arrows at lightning at your flashing spear. In wrath you rode through the earth and in anger you trashed the nations. You came out to deliver your people. Save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. 
with his own spear he pierced his head when his warriors swarmed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there is no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit. Though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy, be joyful in the God of my, of my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like hinds feet, like that of a deer. He enables me to tread on the hearts. The Lord is victorious. And we are His people. His kingdom is an ever-increasing, magnificent, glorious kingdom. Unto such we have been called. We serve the living God. And regardless of what happens in our nations, regardless of who rule or who do not rule, the Lord is sovereign. Yes. And through Him, His purposes are established in the earth. And we have come unto such a God serve Him and fulfill His eternal purposes. The Lord bless you and give unto you the grace to walk with Him in this day. Oh,